every drop is brewed especially to suit the modern taste. Bavarian's is for your man and you too. America's fastest growing beer. We like it. Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Unfiltered Gentleman. And now, with a higher BAC than your ABV, Greg, Ali, Scott, and Dan. Hello, welcome in to the Unfiltered Gentleman. Just Greg here, representing the gents. I've got a very fun opportunity tonight. I'm talking to three people who, well, haven't even started making beer yet. They're starting a brand new brewery down in Anaheim, Southern California. They're starting Radiant Beer Company. And before I get too far into this, I should let you guys know we recorded this early November. Things were a little different with the coronavirus and the spread and what's going on right now. Their plans for a soft opening in December, as we will talk about, may get pushed back. They may not. So make sure if you're going to head down there, check them out at RadiantBeer.com or Radiant Beer Co. on the socials. I'd hate to send you down there and have you come back thirsty. All that being said, today we're talking with Andrew Bell the director of brewing, Jonas Namura, one of the managing partners, and Cambria Griffith, the director of marketing. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We did it. We did it. It took yeah. uh, some technology, some IT support, I think a call to another country <laughs> to get it to work, but we did it. And uh, now we can figure out who has the most tabs open. That's the most important thing. <laughs> it's true. Three of you are responsible for some really big beer projects in Southern California prior to Radiant becoming a thing. If people haven't seen the press releases, we'll get into that in just a couple of few. So I, I guess we should start off with the why. What was what was the catalyst from branching out from such big beer projects to starting your, your own together as a little team? Yeah, I think it uh, sort of comes down to that idea of having something that you can start from scratch and, and create as your own and, you know, see that grow from infancy into hopefully something, you know, amazing, um, being able to share that with people. And the fact that we get to do it with, you know, old friends who already have this working relationship and understanding of, of how we work together is, you know, just makes it even better. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's Jonas talking. You're listed officially as the managing partner, but you come from a long line of, of beer operations and running the show. Uh, what's going to be your role at Radiant? Uh, definitely, you know, sort of day-to-day operations and, uh, yeah, hopefully supporting the team and making sure that things run as smoothly as they can. Uh, that's, yeah, wearing a lot of hats, um, hopefully wearing a few of them well. Yeah. Uh, all three of you come, at least from some point in your backgrounds, from the brewery. Uh, from the standpoint of taking over a new location, a new brewery that used to be Town Park Brewery where you guys are moving in. Andrew, I don't know, maybe for you, what were some of the challenges you walk into to to opening up <laughs> A half-existing oh, brewery, or more than half. There are quite a few. Um, a lot of them stem from not knowing what the person who is building out this place was actually intending to do with some of the stuff. But there's a lot of compatibility issues with some of the stuff we're trying to do. Like, we we are installing an RO system this week. Sure. For those who don't know, reverse osmosis the water can interact with the metal pipe that it's running through and all the water lines in this place were done in copper, oh. which doesn't interact well with, which is about the worst metal to interact with RO. Yeah. So all the waters that the, there's some issues with the steam condensate returns. Um, 
some of the tank fittings had issues. But I mean, there these are all fixable problems. It's just the thing of taking over an existing breeding space is obviously you have a really quick turnaround. Um, but you don't necessarily have it laid out the way you would from scratch. But the trade-off still works in our favor, not having to, you know, spend 18 months building out this place. It's just yeah. getting used to some of the quirks and figuring out what things are real issues that you need to fix and what things you can improve over time or things that you can live with. So there's a mix of all those things there. And it's, a, I just mentioned a couple, there's a very long laundry <laughs> list, but, but we, but we will get brewing and we will be making awesome beer out of the system in really quick turnaround time. I mean, I left the brewery at the end of September and we're going to be making beer real soon. Yeah. That was one of the things I wanted to mention. You guys all sort of, uh, through my internet stalking, it looks like you left your jobs in September, your respective jobs in that time frame. How uh, how quickly did this project come together? I mean, it's been something that uh, you know. Basically, I, I've been working with um, some some investors uh, who are interested in, in having a brewery project, and we've been looking at a couple of different spots uh, over you know course of about year and a half, two years. This one just came together in terms of you know, having the location and the timing and, and everything. And as soon as it sort of became looking like it was going to be, you know, reasonable reality, uh, you know, reached out to Andrew and Cambria. Um, Andrew and myself had, had talked through, you know, ideas about having uh, a project for a couple of years now, um, but mm-hmm. never anything like too seriously. Again, sort of just came together with timing on having the space be available, having funding be available. And uh, yeah, it seemed like the right time, even in the middle of a global pandemic. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, people must think you're crazy for trying to open up a brewery in the middle of a pandemic. They already thought that. <laughs> <laughs> pandemic or otherwise. They might be right. They definitely might be right. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's obviously a lot to be said for it. It's a tough time to open any new business, especially one that's, you know, in the hospitality industry that, you know, does rely on people coming to your place of business and uh, hopefully staying there and enjoying your, your products. Um, that's not obviously the, the sole way that you can enjoy a brewery's beer, but that's certainly a, a big one. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely, you know, a, a, a question of reaching that full capacity under these conditions. But, you know, we're, I think we're optimistic that uh, as time goes on, that things are going to improve with COVID and uh, that, you know, we will be able to open our doors fully to the public in the way that we really intend to and, and want to. Um, and in the meantime, we will present the, you know, absolute best product that we can given the circumstances that we have. Um, you know, the beer is going to be there. The beer is going to be, you know, exceptional quality either way. Um, that, that has nothing to do with COVID at the end of the day. Um, and so then it's just about creating an alternative experience on the tasting room side for the guests. Yeah, it sounds like in, in regards to the pandemic, Andrew's got the easy job there. He just keeps making amazing <laughs> beer. <laughs> well, yeah. once once we're up and running, it will be the quote unquote easy job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> once you get that copper situation figured out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this question's kind of twofold. I think Jonas can take the first part of it, and maybe Cambria can take the second part of it. Talking about the pandemic. Jonas, you came from a long line of operations in beer and and pandemic is causing uh, quite a a stir in the industry of tons of industries, but especially the beer industry, how people are operating. So the the two-parter is how are you guys working to prepare to be able to operate in a pandemic? And then Cambria, the part for you is how are you uh, telling your story differently to attract people in a pandemic? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when 
the pandemic came down. I was at Chapman Crafted and uh, we had to do a lot of incredibly quick pivoting. We had just switched over our POS system to, from Square to Toast. And fortunately, Toast uh, was in the midst of getting their online ordering and delivery stuff really sort of dialed in already. But you know, within a course of uh, two days, we got that back end all set up and, and ready to go transition over you know, from draft uh, into canning dates as much as you possibly can. Uh, over there, we were using mobile canning. Uh, so that was more about trying to arrange schedule with the mobile canner, get the brewing schedule on coordinated with that. Uh, here we have a can line uh, in-house, so that'll be nice to be able to have more flexibility on can dates. But yeah, switching over packaging to far more can heavy presence than draft. Also, you know, starting ship across the state and um, trying to find other outlets where you can sort of get beer a little bit further afield than just, you know, your backyard. And then, yeah, in terms of tasting room, actual, you know, on-premise uh, setup went from having no option at all during the complete lockdown phase of you know, the, the early days and then opening up outside with food service. And so, you know, basically, I, as the long story short is I, I've went through this, you know, one time already and, and we, you know, we've been living through this now for, uh, eight months yeah. basically now. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's scary to think about, <laughs> but, but yeah, we've been, we've been doing, uh, you know, these things for eight months now. And I think you know, everyone kind of has a idea of how operations need to work, you know, definitely thinking not only of guest safety, but employee safety, very importantly, you know, we're, so we'll be opening up outdoors. We're fortunate to have a patio space uh, that's already existing. That's good. We'll also be trying to expand that into uh, a little area adjacent to the parking lot that isn't useful as, as parking uh, itself. And then, yeah, really just have, you know, indoor uh, operations be for staff to, to begin with. Hopefully we can get to a point in Orange County where numbers get, you know, uh, individual ranges where we can have a little bit more indoor seating and we can open that up and again in a safe manner. And what about you, Cambria? What's, what's been sort of your, your focus or your shift in focus as far as promoting a brewery that's about to open in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> Good question. Uh, the The biggest change that I'm having trouble with is that obviously we can't have events that are big and lots of people in a small space. And that is something that's very central and very much a part of the beer industry is having people get together and have a beer. Um, and that's not just, you know, on our site, but also friends and family. I want to show them our beer once it's done and, and get, you know, people together to celebrate right. with it. And that is a, authentic and real way of spreading the word through word of mouth. And that changes it. Um, so that that is something that's always been in the bag of tricks for when launching a new brand or a new product is kind of the event component. Um, it's a little bit of a relief in some ways because there's so much other stuff we need to do before December so we can focus on those things. I mean, you're looking at, these are all the employees we have. So this <laughs> is it. So we've got a lot to do. Um, but yeah, that, that's been a big one because every time I'm thinking about, okay, did I cover this, this, and this, and I got this done? Oh, what about this whole facet? Oh, right. We can't do events the same way. So that that's definitely changed it. But at the same time, we can still do a lot of things. Like Jonas mentioned, we have the patio. Um, thank goodness. So that allows us to let people come over and feel the comfort we want to provide them and have some good beer in a nice setting. Um, so that's good. And the expansion we're working towards getting 
that he mentioned also will help enable more people to be able to come and have beer safely and, and follow those precautions. So we still are able to do some things, just maybe not in as big of a fashion as we've done before. But that's that's okay because December is a soft opening and it's not, you know, a 2000 person party <laughs> or anything by any means that we'd be quite ready to do at that point. But yeah, that's that's been a change. And it's also, I think the way people are communicating present day has changed a lot since, you know, if you look at a year ago or two years ago or anything. I mean, I hate to use the word unprecedented again because we've heard that a lot already. <laughs> um, but it's changing the way people are talking to each other. And I think that changes, you know, regardless of that, like this is a new brand and new company and we are doing things with a different voice, but it also, you know, nothing's created in a void. So the way we're talking to people and then the tone that we'll have as we develop more of our identity, um, will be sensitive to what's going on in the world as it should be. But now it's just especially an excitable time, good or bad, however you want to take that term, yeah. it's things are different. So the way that I would like our brand to communicate with people, you know, has always been about being sincere and, and a real person. But now it's just even more important that that voice is in the right space and, and providing something of value and some real purposeful connection with the people that we're making this beer for. No, that's awesome. And it's funny, you're right. In some ways, it, it does make your life a little easier. You don't have to plan for a, a huge blowout party on, on <laughs> New Year's Day, as you, you know, or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely different times. I'll, I'll direct this one towards Andrew. I saw you guys are trying to work on some collabs and you're excited for some collabs. Can you talk about any collabs you're working on with anybody? Um, we are working on quite a few collabs. The only one that I'm a hundred percent confident in really talking about at this point, because it's finalized, I'm going to be actually going up there on Sunday, uh, bring with my buddy, Derek, or our buddy, Derek, I should say up at Moxa in Sacramento. Nice. So doing a little dry hop lager. Nice and crushable. Yeah. Nice and crushable. Some pretty cool hops in it. So. I'm pretty excited about that. There are some other collabs that are in the works, but considering we haven't finalized dates or anything like that on them yet, I don't really want to <laughs> don't really want to reveal too much about them, but I'm pretty excited to be able to brew with some friends, you know. At the brewery, we only did a couple during the pandemic and obviously that makes it challenging still here, but and then I guess I could say that there were there were a couple beers brewed at the brewery that the understanding is that they might, they might have our logo on them as well. <laughs> be, be, be it be it small, whether it's small like single barrel stuff off the pilot system or another three way collab we did last year that is in barrels that might become a four way collab. <laughs> so but that's still a huge uh, wave. You know, everybody knows the brewery and, and and you know clamors for their bottles and stuff. So I, I'd say there's no small task or no small feat at getting your your sticker on the on the bottle as well. Yeah, of course. It's it's always fun. And it's I mean, we're still all great friends. I, I left I was the most recent one of us three to leave the brewery and we're on great terms. So that's awesome. Cambria, if I if I may just name drop in your honor a little bit. Oh, oh, boy. Let me pick these up after I'm done. Uh, you've you've <laughs> worked obviously at the brewery, but you worked for Golden Road when they were still independent. You were part of the offshoots launch. You worked for L.A. Beer Week. You worked up near where I am with the Fig Mountain. 
what are you looking to bring to Radiant from a brand standpoint that's going to separate you guys from from some of the other local great breweries? I did do all those things. Um, <laughs> so let, me, let me pick these so, all up now that I've dropped them. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll go pick these up one by one. So this brand will be, let's see, this is the first brand where I can say like, I'm one of the first employees before there was even a name or a logo or anything developed. So it is an earlier start on this project. So what I want to bring to this is, this is going to sound like a crazy lady, but <laughs> I've done that on the other <laughs> podcasts we've had too. Like a level of control to our identity and making sure that it is staying true to who we've intended to be and is living and breathing that and being consistent visually as well as the heart and soul of what we are. That is much easier said than done. Um, and yes, brands evolve and change. So that will happen. Sure. Um, but Right now, you know, we're working fast and furious and keeping things pretty tight. And so this is the chance to have my obsession with a style guide really happen (laughs) so we can get things right from the get go. So that is something that will be different. Offshoot was a brand developed, you know, none of that existed until the day it was like, let's make a new thing. And so, yes, going through name and all of that stuff real quick was on my plate and my team's plate and they did an amazing job. (laughs) Um, But that of course was tied to the the brewery and was an offshoot of the brewery. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, this total solo thing there. So that is different than this project, of course, Um, but still kind of like a similar workflow to make a new brand materialize. Offshoot was probably the last thing that the three of us worked on directly at the brewery as I'm thinking about that. Oh, yeah. Nice. Probably. That's a good point. Yeah, and we were given what, like, well, you, Jonas, I think had a little bit more time, but I was given like, uh, I, I was given like six weeks to figure this month. shit out. One month. <laughs> yeah. And they did it to us, too. I was like, oh, it would be so cool. This is crazy. What if we launch on April Fool's, guys? And then everyone's yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, oh, crap <laughs> what have i done it, it's march one yeah patrick was like six weeks out he's like hey what do you think about <laughs> like the availability of hops right now the brewery has really really tiny hop contracts for a brewery of that size before offshoot our biggest like hop contracts were warrior and magnum mm. which are bittering hops and yeah i think our next biggest like actual roma hop was like centennial which we had like maybe three thousand pounds a year and we ended up in the first twenty-four or in the first twelve months, I think, brewing over a thousand, over a thousand barrels of uh, offshoot beer. And wow. by by the time I left, we were contracting over sixty-five thousand pounds of Citra alone. That's huge. By the second year of offshoot, we were contracting more Citra than we had contracted for hops total the year before. It was pretty crazy, and we were still like way under contracted, especially with how Relax took off can't remember what year it was, but I remember, I think we purchased from other breweries like 17,000 pounds of Citra, I want to say. <laughs> Which, to be honest, having all these contacts and friends and having had to purchase a bunch of spot hops and hops off other people's contracts before, mm-hmm. it set me up really well because obviously there just was hop harvest and we didn't have hop contracts. So, right. so having friends who are big enough and hop forward enough uh, to do their own selection, knowing what their beers taste like, knowing what their hop selection palettes are like 
has put us in a key spot and we have a coal box right now that's pretty full with some killer lots of citra mosaics simcoe we have some nelson in there that is farm direct i'm pretty happy with that uh ruwaka which is one of the first times we've used that motueka we have some really cool experimentals there should be some exciting beer that's awesome i mean you got some killer ops in there i just want to mention by the way we talked about cambria's uh, social media and marketing prowess. <laughs> I, I found that you're I'm doing uh, it. <laughs> I found that you're you're level two certified Cicerone. I am. Is that true? Did, did Google steer me correct? That is true. That's not a lie. That's fantastic. <laughs> so you're more than just you know the social media nerd. Like you, you're also a, a bona fide beer nerd as well. Yes, it's um sad but true. On many levels <laughs> of nerd. At this point, social media nerdery has fallen off quite a bit because now it's more nerding on a crowler shrink sleeves and excel documents (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah the cicerone exam was something i did 2015 i i don't know what day it is now let alone when i did that but (laughs) it was while i was at the brewery and patrick was very much about education and so he supported um employees going through the program and also did training and teaching on it. And then once people started doing that, those who had gone through the program were also welcome to help teach it, which I did not do nearly as well as he did, but (laughs) I did help with. That was something that I can say thanks to the brewery and Patrick supporting the cost of the test, which is not cheap. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know it can sometimes be a barrier for people that are looking for more education there and also thank him for the, the education it was great to do that. And a lot of uh, a pretty good number of team members went through and did the test. And I won't get too braggy, but, you know, I did it. <laughs> I passed. <laughs> you did all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was good. I think I probably need to brush up again because I've <laughs> become a little more of a wino. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to become a sommelier, too, but that was just one of the many hobbies that kind of had too many going on at once. All the alcohol-related hobbies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I know there's a cider. I forget what it's called. There's a cider one, too. And I can't mm. think of the name for, for getting on that level. I had not heard that yet. Yeah. yeah. There's a BJCP cider supplement. but Oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't know. if I don't know the other one. but <laughs> Wacky. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to get back to the sommelier one. I think that would be another of too many things to take on. <laughs> I kind of looked at taking like the YSET or the WSET program. Ooh. I was looking to go down that instead of Samier a couple months ago, but uh, I have too much stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for that at Spirits for a while. And nice. This, the, the cost sort of prohibits. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have the book if sure. you want to read it though. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take it. Some light reading. Dang. Yeah. That's the problem too, is now I have all the great wine books up, you know, to practice and, and then I put a little bit of a dent, but then fell off. But yeah. Good work happened and yeah, too yeah, much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Well then switching it back to beer. When it comes to beer, what are you guys looking to focus on? I probably a question for Andrew. What are you looking to focus on as far as styles and, and that sort of thing? I think it's probably the most important question of the night. Uh, I mean, a bunch of different things, but mostly stuff we like to drink. Um, <laughs> So uh, we're, we're the type of people who obviously we're 
we're beer geeks at heart. That's what drove us into this industry. So we're definitely going to create some style or create some beers that are the more beer geeky, but we also just like to have, you know, a beer with friends at the end of the day and don't have to think too hard about it. Of course, quality is going to be paramount, but what I'm getting at is a lot of what we're going to be focusing on. I'd say by volume is hoppy beers and lagers. And then we're going to have a, not not by any means brewery size barrel program, but we do intend on off the bat putting some big big stouts into barrels. Nice. Um, and then for the tasting room, we're going to keep it we're going to keep it interesting. Obviously, background of working at the brewery, we created some pretty esoteric beers, so there there will be some of that here for sure. But it, it's going to be a, a good mix. Uh, say though the majority of what we're going to be brewing, at least that we have on our brewing calendar already is hoppy beers, bloggers of all sorts and some big boy barrel aged beers. Nice. Are you jumping on the seltzer train? Uh, I, we're not going uh. to, sh- we're not going to say no, but, <laughs> but we don't have any, we don't have any on the line plan yet. Let's put it that way. That's a very PC answer. And if we do, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like any seltzer you've seen so far in the market. Unless some of the weird seltzers that I made off the brewery's pilot system get to the market first, and then <laughs> then it might look somewhat similar, but um, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So, question for all three of you: Did you, any of you, go to school for what you're doing now? And we'll we'll just go around the horn. We'll start with Jonas, and then uh, Cambria, then Andrew. So, I went to school for industrial and labor relations. Uh, and the reason I picked that program was that it was a small school within a larger university. Um, and it was a general social science program, which didn't require math beyond statistics. Uh, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with that one. Um, Jonas, where'd uh, you go to school? I went to Cornell. Um, just like the Nard dog. Just like the Nard dog. Yes. Yes. Me, me and Andy, we have, uh, similar things. And, And I used to drive through Scranton, Pennsylvania on my way to and from, School. Oh my god! I never, uh, knew so. that. <laughs> I never thought of that. And uh, I will tell you, my car broke down more than once right around Scranton. Like, there's something about that area that uh, is a little bit evil. <laughs> it's um, but <laughs> within that program, like I said, it was a very broad social science program. Um, with the name, it sounds like you know everyone becomes a you know, a union advocate, uh, only about, I think it was like 8% of people ever actually go into unions, um, or union work. Um, after that program, it's mostly, um, pre-business and pre-law, uh, people really. Um, so yeah, I, I immediately thought I wanted to be a lawyer or should should say immediately, but I initially thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but also didn't want to take in all that debt uh, early on. And so figured I'd work for a couple of years in New York as a paralegal and glad that I did that. It was a great experience. Great. You know, New York is a amazing city to, uh, spend your early twenties, but realized, uh, I did not want to be at least a transactional attorney despite my, uh, my interest in, in the, the more academic side of law. Mm-hmm. And but during that time, I started homebrewing and I started learning a lot about beer and, and you know, studying very hard at some of the world-class beer bars in New York City. Um, Important uh, research. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so the that's a long answer to a lot of the things that I do on a daily basis in terms of uh, HR type of 
responsibilities and you know reading over contracts and things. There's definitely things I learned in school that are useful, organizational behavior and those things. But no, I'm definitely not practicing in, in that uh, major. Fair. <laughs> Cambria? I can say yes. My degree is in digital media in the fine arts school of USC, Go Trojans. Nice. And when I was in school, Facebook barely existed or had just launched. So I'll and you needed myself. like a college email address to sign up? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You did. That, that was the thing. So social media wasn't really existing yet. I was really in love with web design. And so I took a course that was a technically was I think deemed an extracurricular class worth two credits and none neither of those two credits counted towards my degree because <laughs> USC's art school was still figuring out what all this digital stuff was this witchcraft like they didn't believe it was like worthy of an institution doing digital arts and media as a full program now that's all you'll get Instagram ads for from them, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's like a master's program. So, it's, hey, they do now. Um, but you kids on your interwebs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I was really interested in all the digital media across the spectrum of web and digital photography and photo editing and video and video editing. And so I kind of cobbled together this degree that they called intermedia at the time, and I loved it people who are a painting major, you know, you kind of get the side eye when you're doing that in an art school. But I was like, I love it. It's cool. And then I quickly got a job at Warner Brothers after interning there and doing like two to three internships at the same time on top of my coursework. And so I was just really eager to to get, you know, a career going because I had seen both my brothers also go through USC and graduate during recession and then be like, oh, crap. So Yes, I can say I did. However, it, you know, it wasn't like a super linear path there. Um, But knowing digital media and Mm -hmm. being interested in it and just how much it has exploded since then um, definitely set me in that trajectory. I wouldn't have expected it would be beer focused. I love the creative process and all the artsy fun things. I do like me some beer. And oddly enough, in New York is where I really got to know craft beer when I was on a trip in college with my college boyfriend. His best friend worked at Belgian BXL Cafe, where they had a bunch of Belgian beers. And that was the first time I tried, you know, things that were more advanced beer. Mm -hmm. And that kind of set that interest in motion back then. So maybe maybe it was the same bars you were at, Jonas, doing your research. <laughs> I definitely went there a couple of times. I was more Ginger Man and Blind Tiger. Ah, but, yes, I didn't even yes. know those yeah. back then. Um, but yeah, I, I think I can say that I did start doing stuff that that expensive degree was involved in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Andrew, what about you? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> short, short answer. No, I, I went to, uh, I went to SMU or Southern Methodist university and I have majors in economics, finance, public policy, and a minor in political science. Right. So no, I'm not really using that for brewing. Um, I that did, doesn't go into the beer. That's weird. Not, not, that not really. Uh, economics maybe. I, economics I definitely it. goes into yeah. the beer. Yeah. I, I can say that. Yes, yes, that <laughs> does. It's on the nose. I could smell the. Um, but I I started home brewing before I was legally able to purchase beer and spent a lot of time in college brewing. 
a ton of time in college brewing. In fact, I was, I think I was 22 when I took the BGACP exam and on the first time taking it, I scored national, Wow, which is usually not the case for anyone to score national on their first time. So I definitely, beer was a focus of mine while I was at college, but it was not a focus of my studies for my majors. <laughs> Fair enough. Back then, the only two places I th- that I can think of in the U.S. that were offering any sort of brewing program were UC Davis and Siebel. And I don't think, I, I can't think of any other colleges that have brewing programs, which now there are, a, there are a few out there. Yeah. But yeah, no, I didn't, there was no, I still don't think there is a brewing program at SMU. I'd be surprised if there was. <laughs> Probably not. Yep. All right. I want to end it on this. Uh, I call it rapid fire questions. It'll be interesting to do it with three people. I always say the first thing that comes to mind, don't think about it too long. So we'll, we'll go in order and we'll just do the order in which I see you guys on my screen, which is Jonas Cambria and Andrew. I'll ask the question. First thing that comes to mind and we'll move on to the next. Don't think about it too long. The first beer you ever drank. Uh, wow. Probably Miller High Life for my dad. Oh my God. I'm pretty sure it was in Newcastle. In Mammoth. <laughs> don't tell my parents though. <laughs> it was probably Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which my dad had actually a lot of when I was a kid. I know the first beer that I ever appreciated was Schmay Blue. What was the first beer you ever brewed? If you've all brewed. I'm trying to remember what my first batch was. I, I think it was a pale ale. It wasn't good, but I think it was a pale ale. <laughs> um, I have sort of brewed. I actually shadowed John Palmer one day <laughs> at his home brew situation, and I don't remember what he was brewing, <laughs> but I tried to home brew my own cider, which was hilarious, if that counts. So I remember sure. that what that liquid was. <laughs> <laughs> we'll count it. Yeah, I made a I made a bunch of ciders off the bat, but the first beer I brewed, I only did two extract batches, and the first one was sort of like an seven ish percent alcohol amber beer uh, with what was the published Pliny the Elder hot bill at the time. Okay. Um, it was interesting. Uh, it, it was it was actually the beer tasted good, but I bottled it and primed directly in the bottles, so I had a good amount of. Um, sediment at the bottom yeah. of each bottle but the flavors the flavors were fine <laughs> i totally lied it was the unity brew with eagle rock brewery for la beer week when we first did the first one i, I yeah, helped yeah. grain out so that counts right <laughs> it totally sure counts. sure <laughs> yeah it counts here um all right cans or bottles cans cans well, I guess I have to be on the can train because that's what we're going to be. That's <laughs> no, what we're going to be doing here. You can't think. Um, you just have to answer. Not yeah, wood. Not, no cans. Uh, if if I'm buying a beer today, it's going to be in can. Yeah. Um, starting with Jonas, do you have a favorite beer and food pairing? That's a tough question. Uh, I'm just going to go with stout and oysters. Oh, Tecate light and tacos. <laughs> a bad, <laughs> bad to say that. I have more advanced ones, but you said not to think about it. No, that's fair. Okay. Uh, mine would be like whip beer with either mussels or clams. It's a good one. It's Wednesday night. What are you drinking? IPA. The West Coast. Room temperature tea. <laughs> <laughs> Room temperature green tea that's probably old. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm drinking another half pale ale, which is nice. But uh, once I get home I'm on a Wednesday, I'm probably having a gin and tonic, to be honest. <laughs> Can, can I do mine over since I screwed up? <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
Uh, Buscador red wine. Yeah. Getting fancy. <laughs> what is your beercation destination? Czech Republic. Um, it's specifically to Pilsner Urkel, so I can look at their amazing facility. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my answer would be Bavaria or Brussels. Okay. What is your favorite non-beer hobby? Cooking. Making things all the way. <laughs> I would say cooking too. Um, it used to be motorsports, but I don't really have the time to do that anymore. Okay. Two more. What is your favorite guilty pleasure beer? Mm. That's a really tough question. <laughs> <laughs> This is usually where I hear from the brewers that they love PBR. Yeah, no, see, I, I don't. And that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like I am embarrassed about beers that I like. I'll, I'll be, I mean, yeah. I, I know it's a cop out, but I honestly don't. Because I, I don't tend to like a lot of the macro, like that, that those sort of yeah, like guilty pleasure beers. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cop out and say, I don't think I have one. Damn. I, I'm not guilty at all. It's, Tecate yeah. Light or the giant <laughs> Michelada can. That's, I mean, I said it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in between the two. Like, I, I don't feel guilty about any beer I choose to drink. Um, but I also don't really have a huge preference for industrial light lagers. They don't, they don't have enough bitterness to balance, balance the malt character. So they come across as sweet to me and flabby. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be drinking a light lager, it's either going to be the breweries Rue Keller Hellas or Pivo Pills, and I don't buy I don't buy like Miller High Life or PBR. I would rather make, like I said earlier, gin and tonic at home. That's fair. If it's going to be a light lager, it's going to be Hellas or Pivo. That's a fair answer. And finally, what is your favorite word or slang for being drunk? <laughs> <laughs> Schnookered. Oh man, I don't know. Um, I don't, have, I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I don't I'm trying to think, to think what I even this. say. That, that's a fortunate one from uh, the joke in college. So it's... I'm trying to think of what I even say when people are really drunk. It's the F word usually. Mm. Which is I, fine. You can but say it's not, that. It's not like my favorite one. It's just okay. like it's the go-to one. But I know I've said better things. So I'm like, I'm, I'm upset that I can't think of them. Need some inspiration? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, obviously, the easy one I get a lot is hammered. Um, some of my favorites are shittered. Hamskeet oh, yeah. is a good one. Hamskeet, I do use that one quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll tell people they got messy. Messy. This is embarrassing. I should be better <laughs> than this. I should be really good at this. We, we're, we're not for a good lightning round, I'll be honest. <laughs> I like the lightning round, though. This is fun. I feel I like, like I need though. to go through my phone and see like what some of my friends have done. Yeah, what did me. I just say to my friend like last weekend? Yeah, I, like, I, I, I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was shit house. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, do. I, don't know. I do have like people have their names they get, you know, when when they hit that level, right? Like my friend is Coco if he's gone <laughs> too far, but I got I got given a good one, which she doesn't exist anymore. Her Cambria. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> so, I think I just say people got fucked up. I like that one, Andrew. Anything from you? Uh, yeah, no, I don't really have a good one. Like, <laughs> like sh- shit hosed or shit house. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I have to go through my like text conversations and try and find some good ones. I've gotten multiple brewers saying shit housed. It's like yeah. you guys all got together and decided 
That and Seed's yeah. a good one too. I think that's yeah. that's probably one of the top ones. But I think it's like mm-hmm. the way you say it that's really important. Oh yeah, you know? it matters. Yeah, it definitely matters. <laughs> Ask me a couple of days after like Firestone Invitational and I, I will have like some great answers for you <laughs> because, <laughs> because that is the Brewers campground is <laughs> these people. I'm just going to start emailing them to you when I think of them Please. every now and then. You're just going to have like crap in your inbox. It'll look like you have Tourette's. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Be random, random no, words. No subject, drunk. no explanation. Just yeah, a no word. context. Just a yeah. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, tell all the good people when you guys are going to do your soft open. And if you know, when you're going to do your grand opening, that's a good question. (laughs) Uh, I can speak on this one and Jonas can correct me if we need, (laughs) we're aiming for, uh, mid December. That is when we were planning on our soft, soft opening. Um, we'll keep people updated through our newsletter, which is, you can sign up for through radiantbeer.com and on our social media, which is at Radiant Beer Co. on all the good channels. Um, so yeah, mid-December is the goal. As far as grand opening, maybe in a couple months we'll have like no more COVID and stuff going on, and then we can have that be something we think about. But That, that is the, the honest hope, is that things are looking in a positive enough direction that we are like, let's, let's just hold off and do a really grand opening when everyone's really happy. Yeah. And vaccinated. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the vaccine news is good news. So grand openings and beer festivals depend on it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It is cool to see what people are doing though, to be creative, like the, the digital beer festivals and stuff people are coming up with. So there's still stuff to do. That's cool. There's some really cool, I mean, digital beer festivals, subscription boxes. I mean, people are doing some really cool things. All you good people out there, radiantbeer.com, like she said, and at radiant beer co on the socials. If you happen to be in Anaheim, you know, once you get that vaccine in you, it's 1566 <laughs> West Lincoln Avenue. That's uh, that's not too far from Disneyland, right? I think it's less than two miles. It's right Super up the road. Close. Super yeah, close. Yeah, we're, we're right. We're right off the five freeway at the Lincoln exit. Come visit. So when I can use my season pass again, I can just leave the yeah. park and <laughs> yep. come have a couple beverages. You yep. can do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for, for some time. And I can't wait to come down and, and try some beer. Thank you. Likewise. Awesome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for this. This was fun. I like that lightning round. Thanks one last time to Andrew Jonas and Huracambria. Had a lot of fun talking to those guys. I am so excited to get to try some of their beer, hopefully pretty soon. As this drops, they should have had their first brew day uh, just a few days ago. So hopefully that comes out well. Also, I did get a random email from Cambria a few days after. Schwasted. That was her word. Schwasted. If you were keeping track at the beginning, I just want to make sure you know it was Cambria who had the most tabs open on her computer as well. So her Cambria uh, just winning all the awards and contests over here. So in case you missed it, check them out at RadiantBeer.com or RadiantBeerCo on all the important social medias. They will be at 1566 West Lincoln Avenue in Anaheim. That's not too far from Disneyland as we discussed. If you guys get a chance to try the beer, let me know what you thought. I can't wait to try their beer. I have to imagine there's a lot of pressure on Andrew to uh, make something good after that background. Thank you all for listening. Let them know that you heard about them here on The Unfiltered Gentleman. Find us at theunfilteredgentleman.com on the socials at The Unfiltered Gentleman. Of course, you can leave us a voicemail, 805-538-BEER. That's 2337. And I hope everyone out there is staying very safe and very well hydrated. And on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.